Welcome to Trimming the Movie Fat, the podcast where we trim films from franchises that don't belong. I'm Stephen Nicholson. And I'm Paul Nicholson. And we're going up, up and away as we take on Kryptonite, An Evil Genius, Budget Cuts and a Director Sacking. It's the four movies in the Christopher Reeves-led Superman movies. Which movies will survive the Earth being spun backwards? The original, the controversial sequel... Richard Pryor starring third entry, uh, or the lowly budgeted fourth. Keep listening to find out. We'll also share some Superman movie facts, provide an overview of each movie, and share our thoughts on each. Joining us on the air balloon to the Fortress of Solitude is my son Ben. So Ben's 12, so we're going to find out how these 70s and 80s movies play to a young teenager in 2022. So how are you Ben? Good, yeah. Yeah? Uh-huh. So you've been studying up on this? Yeah. And you're ready to rock and roll? Uh-huh. Okay guys, so do you have a favourite scene from the Superman movie? Start off with you Paul. So probably the bit in the third one when he's bad Superman's fighting good Superman. Um, we'll obviously talk about that movie a little bit later on, but yeah, I had a couple I think when Superman crushes Zod's hand in Superman 2. Mm. Yeah, to the, the <laughs> Superman. Yeah. That is great. Um, yeah. And also in that same movie where after Superman's got his powers back, he turns up outside the Daily Planet. In general, mm. would you care to step outside? Oh, yeah. That's great. Although in the Richard Donner cut, the lines changed. So yeah. General, do you not believe in the freedom of the press? Yeah. But it's obviously not Christopher Reeves saying that, it's, it's been put Somebody's up. stubbed it, yeah. So, mm. I do prefer General Woodcare to step outside, I have to say. So do I. Yeah. Uh, ben, do you have any favourites? Uh-huh. Uh, when Superman's going through the corridor thing and all the things are shooting at him and stuff and trying to stop him from getting through into the base. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the, the first one? Yeah. Yeah. And, that's and the chain is going under the ground, yeah. That's, yeah. that's only in the, the extended cut extended. DVD, yeah. That was, that's right, that was a deleted, deleted scene that Stephen had, your dad had, in the early 2000s. That was the first mm-hmm. time we saw those bits. That's right, saw those bits we put them into the DVD, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for that, guys. And let's move on to... Uh, share an interesting movie fact. So, Paul, what can you share with us on this episode? Okay, so got a got a couple. So, in the film Cruella de Vil, Emma Thompson needed a team of people to help her use the bathroom because of what the outfit she was wearing with her intricate costume and underwear in Cruella. Emma Thompson, a team of people to help her use the bathroom, <laughs> and and uh, the 
film Dallas Dallas Buyers Club, obviously, which won a lot of uh, Oscars back in 2014. The makeup budget was $250, and it actually won an Oscar for best makeup and hairstyling. That was only oh, that $250. Was Makeup budget, yeah. It's yeah. a incredible budget film. I, yeah. I mean, I know it was low budget, but... <laughs> I'm guessing people brought their own. Yeah, because the main character in it, they would have... I wonder if that was on the budget. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. Um, well, I've got... My fact is, it's kind of Superman-related as well, but... Mm. Margo Kidder, who played uh, Lois Lane in the, the movies, well, I, I didn't know, was married to actor John Heard, who is the dad mm. in Home Alone 1 and 2. Okay. So they were married uh, for only six days. Really? <laughs> yeah, in 1979. Um, and what's really bizarre about it as well is they both died relatively young so they actually died within 12 months of each other um heard at the age of 71 and margot kidder at the age of 69. yeah she had quite a sad life i think oh yeah sad you know mm-hmm. just a lot Mental of problems issues. in her life yeah. yeah there you go they were married for a whole six days so ben okay go on now uh, you've got a great movie fact but i think you're going to test uncle paul with it as a question go for it what is the only other James Bond movie to have a helicopter other than uh, Doctor No? So yeah, other than Doctor No, what is the only other James Bond movie not to feature a helicopter in it? It's a really good question, actually. It's really good because you see when you go, you start going through the movies, you think, oh yeah, there is one in that, and there is one in that. Mam the go- Mam the Golden Gun. The yes. Man with the Golden Gun. Correct. Is correct. Yes. I just because I couldn't think of any, and I know you'd just seen the film, yeah. so I thought that's yeah, that's the it's only good question. Movie. I don't think I would have got it. Yeah. No, it's a great question, isn't it? It's a great mm. fact. Well done, Ben. Where did you? Where did yes, you? Yes, very good. Uh, in the internet. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> and let's share an interesting Superman movie fact now. So, Paul, do you have one? So, according to Roger Moore's autobiography, which is. Excellent read for any, if anybody's not read it. Uh, my Word is My Bond came out in 2008, 2009. Anyway, he said that he witnessed Christopher Reeve walking through the canteen at Pinewood Studios. And I'm imagining this must have been around the time The Spy Loved Me because we're filming Superman at the same time there. And uh, he walked through this, the staff canteen in the costume, the Superman costume, and oblivious to the swooning female ad- admirers he left in his wake. But then when he did the same thing as dressed as Clark Kent, no one paid him any attention. <laughs> yeah, well, that just shows you the, the costume and everything worked. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Uh, do you have a good Superman fact, Ben? Uh, James, James Bond director Guy Hamilton was going to direct the movie but had to pull out because of tax stuff. Yeah, he was a tax exile at the time, so um, which meant he had to drop out. Which is a mm, good thing, actually. <laughs> I would say. Because Richard Donner, yeah, the way it went, yeah. Oh yeah, big time. So uh, I think that was a uh, very fortuitous. Um, no disrespect, to Guy Hamilton, but you would not have got as good a movie. Uh, I would say to you, if Guy Hamilton directed Superman. I guess we'll never know. 
<laughs> I know. Um, well, my fact is uh, an interesting one. So Christopher Reeves only earned um, only <laughs> two hundred fifty thousand US dollars for Superman one and two, whereas his established co-stars got significantly more. So uh, even though Marlon Brando is hardly in the movie, the first one, um, he got paid three point seven million. And like a week's work or something. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, if, if that and Gene Hackman got two million. Yeah. Because they were established stars and they wanted to cast big stars to make the movie so people would take it seriously. Because that was an unusual. Oh, yeah. Big profile and mm -hmm. they're two, two of the best actors ever. <laughs> mm -hmm, they are. Um, it gave it some heft that gave the the whole enterprise um, some legitimacy that yeah. people should take it seriously these serious actors these Oscar winning actors are appearing in it so um, not just them I mean uh, if you actually go all the way across the the cast it's a fantastic cast isn't it uh, which will Ned Beatty Ned Beatty of course yeah, he's been yeah. in a lot of good films isn't mm -hmm. So lots of really great people in it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. And guys, let us move on. So Superman 1 to 4 is a series of superhero movies revolving around its title character. Um, Superman originated in the pages of DC Comics back in 1938 and was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. The four films are Superman the Movie from 1978 and directed by Richard Donner. Uh, Superman 2 from 1981, directed by Richard Lester, but really Richard Donner, but more on that later. Superman 3 from 1983 was directed by Richard Lester. And the final one, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, was released in 1987 and directed by Sidney J. Fury. So the first movie was the first big-budget superhero movie ever, and its success paved the way for later superhero films like Batman in 1989 and Spider-Man in 2002. The four theatrically released movies have grossed over 600 million US dollars at the worldwide box office. Superman the Movie was nominated for three Academy Awards, uh, which were Best Film Editing for Stuart Baird, Best Original Score for John Williams, and Best Sound. And it received a Special Achievement Academy Award for its visual effects, which at the time were cutting edge. Easy, miss. I've got you. you you've got me? Who's got you? <laughs> Bring home the ultimate superhero with these spectacular Superman films on DVD. Hey, it's Superman. 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 General, would you care to step outside? Tolpin, come in. I believe this is your floor. Own Superman the Movie Special Edition. Who are you? A friend. Superman 2 Special Edition. And look for Superman 3 and Superman 4 Deluxe Editions. All digitally remastered for ultimate picture and sound. Any more at home like you? 
Uh, not really, no. Loaded with bonus features, including director commentaries, documentaries, deleted scenes, and more. There you go. Again, again. No, I'm sorry. Only one ride to a customer. And now you can own them all in one box set with the Christopher Reeves Superman collection. This order's to go. Includes all four Christopher Reeves Superman films. Uh, watch the trees. On eight discs, exploding with hours of extra features. Way to go, Superman! And now, yours for the first time ever on DVD. Director Richard Donner's cut of Superman 2, as it was originally intended to be seen. My son. With never-before-seen footage. You are Superman, aren't you? And hours of bonus features, including director commentary. It was quite emotional, quite exciting, something I never thought would happen. Your secret's safe with me. Look for these definitive editions of Christopher Reeve's Superman Adventures on DVD. What are you standing around about for? Move! So, Lex Luthor is communicating with us on a high-level frequency that only dogs, Superman, and ourselves can hear. He's saying, start talking about the movies. Okay, here we go. My friends, I'm not given to wild, unsupported statements. And I tell you that we must evacuate this planet immediately. Jor-El, be reasonable. Once there was a civilization, much like ours, but with a greater intelligence, greater powers, and a greater capacity for good. moment that world was destroyed but there was one survivor now wouldn't that beat all get out because of the wisdom and compassion of Jor-El because he knew the human race had the capacity for goodness he set us his only son. His name is Kal-El. He will call himself Clark Kent. But the world will know him as Superman. This year, Superman brings you the gift of flight. Superman, the movie. Dozens of stars and hundreds of unknowns were tested, and none of them were right. They kept coming back to a young man they'd seen earlier in their search, Christopher Reeve. At first, they'd considered him too young and maybe even too skinny, but his mature calm made a continuing impact. 
I wore a big bulky blue sweater because I thought, oh my God, I've got to look stronger, you know, and I knew I was skinny. I'd been sitting around, hadn't been exercising. I mean, I get out and play tennis and stuff, but I don't in any way do body stuff. So I got the biggest Shetland sweater I could find up in my attic and went to this audition with it and sat there sort of, you know, sort of trying to be, trying to look bigger, you know, and everything like that. And it was Ilya Salkin and Vic Donner who were the directors. And all they did, they put a pair of glasses on me and they sort of looked at me. And we talked about New York and blah, 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 and nothing in particular, and I left. He got the part. But the problem remained, he was too slim. A padded uniform was prepared for him. But Christopher Reeve was determined to build up his own physique for real. The point is that when I started, I was a string bean. And Superman's not a string bean, so... Already, on the start, I eat four times a day. Uh, I, tell you, I tell you, I'm on a high meat diet, protein diet. Uh, vitamin pills, nothing like steroids or anything like that, but um, I mean, I get to eat as much of as anything that I want, and it's, it's great, you know. The thing is that on this part particularly, you have to start from the outside and work in. You can, you can do all the interior work you want to do, and it's still it's not going to get you to Superman if you don't have the physical strength to go with it. The thing that happens is that the stronger I get, you know, and I'm still not all that strong, but I'm, I'm getting there, the stronger I get, the more it helps my mental attitude towards the part. What sets Superman apart is that he has the wisdom to use his power for good. He has all these powers, but he's got, he's got the kind of maturity, or he's got the innocence, really, to look at the world very, very simply. And that's what makes him so different. When he says, I'm here to fight for truth, justice, and the American way, you, everybody goes, <coughs> you know? But he's not kidding. The last 40 minutes of the film, though, is a juvenile crime story with Gene Hackman playing a soft criminal trying to blow up California. He's a namby-pamby sort of villain we used to see on that old Batman TV show. But ah, the love story. That's what makes Superman really worth seeing. Ah, the love story indeed. I knew the love story was coming. I thought the special effects were great. What surprised me was, look at it this way, this movie has been coming for six years. Mm -hmm. It's been announced a hundred times. It cost $60 million, $40 million, a couple of million dollars one way or the other. A lot of money. I expected that with that kind of money, they would be very solemn in their approach toward the money they spent, toward mm -hmm. the special effects. I was surprised that it had a sense of humor. The thing that surprised me about the movie is that among every, along with everything else, it's one of the year's most refreshing comedies. I'll challenge you, though, on one point, and that's the special effects. As far as the flying special effects are concerned, I thought they were fine. You can't see any wires. But some <laughs> of the special effects that uh, weren't involving the flying, like a dam bursting was an obvious model. There's a plane that falls out of the sky. What about when Superman is holding up the Earth's crust, for example, during that's good. stops the earthquake? That's it's a not good too one. Bad, no? But there's a helicopter shot that looks cheap. And uh, there are many other things. I think they spent so much time on the, the getting the flying right that they let some of the other now, stuff go. I really go. don't think we've made the movie sound too boring. He's no. holding up the Earth's crust, airplanes <laughs> are flying out of the sky, dams are bursting, the California no. coast slides into the sea. It's really a pretty entertaining picture. It's a lot of fun, but uh, I'll go back to the human terms and specifically the performance of Christopher Reeve. This guy is a natural light comedian. He's just as good as Clark Kent as he is as Superman. He's really an actor to watch. And if the, if the role had been cast in the wrong way, they would have been in big trouble. He pulls it off. They had a national talent search for once they found the right talent. Uh, just before the destruction of the planet Krypton, scientist Jarrell, played by Marlon Brando, sends his infant son Kal-El on a spaceship to Earth. Raised by kindly farmers Jonathan, played by Glenn Ford, and Martha Kent, played by Phyllis Faxter, young Clark, played by Christopher Reeve, discovers the source of his superhuman powers and moves to Metropolis to fight evil. As Superman, he battles the villainous Lex Luthor, played by Gene Hackman, 
while as a novice reporter Clark Kent, he attempts to woo co-worker Lois Lane, played by Margot Kidder. Superman was a phenomenon grossing $300 million worldwide and was the second top grossing movie of 1978, being beaten out by which musical? Grease. Grease, yep. Grease uh, is the way we are feeling. That's the way we are. <laughs> to date, and adjusted for inflation, it is the 14th highest grossing superhero movie of all time. So adjusted for inflation, it would equate to $1.2 billion as of 2022, just behind Sam Raimi's 2007 movie, Spider-Man 3. The movie was the most expensive ever made at that point, and um, with a budget of $55 million. In 2017, Superman was selected for preservation by the Library of Congress's National Film Registry. So in terms of uh, critic and audience ratings, it has a 94% fresh Rotten Tomatoes score, an 81 out of 100 critic meta score on IMDb, so great scores there for both. So an 86% Rotten Tomatoes audience score and a 7.4 IMDb audience rating. So Superman definitely blends humour and gravitas taking advantage of the perfectly cast Christopher Reeve to craft a loving, nostalgic tribute to an American pop culture icon. Paul, let's come to you first. What do you think of the original movie? It's a classic, isn't it? It's uh, brilliant and I don't know, when you think of the sort of late 70s, early 80s, Superman's one of the things you think of in terms of culture. culture. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just a great movie, great cast, a really good chemistry with Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve and their characters as well. And the music, uh, you can't forget the music. The music's amazing as well. John Williams. And just a really good film that actually, in many ways, has aged quite well. Apart from a couple of the scenes, like when they're on the boat. <laughs> he's, he's there to get the baddies on the boat. But other than that, yeah, it's an excellent film. Do you remember where you first seen it? I might have seen two first, actually. I don't know, but I might have seen two first. But... Uh, I remember it always being on a Christmas Day for some reason. Yeah, because I know we yeah. definitely went to see it. The sequel, certainly, at the cinema. I don't know if I seen mm. the original at the cinema at the, the time. So I definitely remember seeing it on television, that's for sure. Um, ben, what do you think of this movie? So it's 1978, so, <laughs> you know, long before you were born. What do you think of it? It's old. Yes, it is. And uh, some of the effects are a bit bad, but it is old. <laughs> but uh, it's one of the first superhero movies that come to mind when you think of one, and it's pretty good. Uh, but it's not one of my favourite movies. I've only watched it like once before, mm -hmm. and I thought it was pretty good. What's the strongest element in it, in your opinion? The music. Like the music? Yeah. Yeah, it's an iconic score, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did John Williams win for for that? I'm trying to remember. I don't, I don't I'm know not too sure. Did, which is, no, I don't know if he did. So. Mm. That was John Williams' hot streak. When you see, you look at all the movies John Williams was doing scores for. Um, and he did win, obviously, a lot of Oscars in that time period as well. But, um, 
Yeah, absolutely classic, classic score and theme. I think the genius of that was uh, obviously it's an instrumental, but then you you, you basically at the end of it, da, 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 Superman. That's right. I also like you can read my mind, you know, when they're mm -hmm. flying and it comes into the tune. That's nice as well. Yeah. Do you um, yeah. remember they released that as a single, a disco version? Yeah. Yeah, I think we had it on that Galaxy Gold. I think we did, yeah. Um, yeah. Rather bizarre when you think about it now. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, it's, I mean, it's this and its sequel for me, just Uzi's class, and it, it truly is the the godfather of the modern comic book movie. This is where it all starts. Um, it's... Uh, shot beautifully, it's directed beautifully, and I remember from watching the documentaries on on it, Richard Donner uh, used the expression was it veris ver verisimil verisimilitude 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 yeah, I don't know if we're saying that right, but which basically means um, defined as the quality of seeming real. So basically, you take the subject matter seriously as if it were part of the real world, and that's what he really brought to it. You're taking something fantastical, but you're trying to root it in the real world. Um, and that is a huge part of why this movie is such a a big success and also Christopher Nolan used that same template for the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, uh, Christopher Nolan tips his hat to this um, in, in a multitude of ways and yeah it's a great cast of actors we mentioned already it just gives it really real weight, relevance, gravitas, special effects yes they look some of them look dated now but at the time remember the tagline for the poster you'll believe a man can fly Mm, and sure. I mean I, I do remember special effects you're just going wow that's incredible and a lot of them still yeah. hold up to be fair yeah yeah uh, they really do no, they do. Um, yeah, I, I think another good thing is the story's got real real depth as well because we do start with him as the young kid losing his parents and then obviously in Smallville loses his dad and then we get to Metropolis and he loses Lois Lane <laughs> but gets her back again mm. So no, it does have real, real depth. Um, I think the cinematography is great, and I think with it as well, they had in a lot of ways they were filming maybe three or four different movies. When you think about it, you had the sci-fi Krypton stuff. You mm. then had the Smallville stuff, which is like a Nor Norman Rockwell painting. So you've got a different look for that. You've got the Fortress of Solitude stuff. Mm. And you've then got the Metropolis stuff, so yeah, um, lots of different stuff going on. And 
the I think maybe the biggest thing about what makes it as as as, as biggest success as it is other than Richard Donner is the casting of uh, Superman and Lois. Two people yeah. who just embody their character their characters perfectly. I'm a fairly unknown at the time, really, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yep, you, you'll, and even yeah. just in terms of Superman, you'll never get anyone who'll be as good as Christopher Reed. No. He, he was. You believed he actor. was Superman. Well, it turned out he was. Yeah, that's it. With obviously <laughs> the tragic accident that happened to him, and um, obviously dedicated his life to charity and medical research after that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he really was a true life Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I mean. If anybody can, uh, about eight years ago, I read Christopher Reeve's autobiography. Oh, really did I didn't actually. I didn't realise. Yeah, I didn't realise that he. I think it was the early seventies. He he studied drama in Glasgow. Oh, that's where he learned a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> of all the places yeah. to go. <laughs> but yeah, he loved. He loved it. I think. Yeah. 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 Well, in the game, I spent a lot of time mm. in Britain anyway. And the one negative I'm going to throw into the mix here is that the ending's rubbish. Well, it happens, I forgot. When Superman mm. turns the world backwards. Goes back, yeah. And I know they didn't have an ending for the movie, so they had to just come up with something, and that's what they came up with, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense because it's just a cheat because if anything bad happens superman can just widen the world back so yeah that's it wasn't the greatest ending i mean uh, when you watch it you don't mind that much it works and and it's obviously it's good because you get lois lane back again but yeah when you think about it no not good uh but let's rate it then guys so we need to rate it either super or are we nuking it in tribute to Nuclear Man from the rubbish part four. So are we nuking it or is it super? Ben. Nuking it. Just kidding. It's super. Super from Ben? Oh. Super for me. No doubt about it. Yep. Super for me as well. Superman gets to stay in the franchise. Superman 2, the adventure continues with the three villains from Krypton. Each one with the same powers as Superman. Each one dedicated to violence against mankind. Think of it, three super villains. Or four if you count him twice. The adventure continues in Paris with Lois Lane. I believe this is your floor. And the romance continues. The adventure continues in Washington. The world is on the brink of destruction. Superman, can you hear me? And Metropolis 
is in ruins. Is there no one on this planet to even challenge me? Superman! General, would you care to step outside? Revenge! 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 And now we're cooking, huh? One's just as strong as Superman. If you've only seen the first part, you haven't seen the best part. The adventure continues in Superman 2. What, what was sort of the reaction on set when you guys first learned that Donner was taken off the film? Well, I produced the film, and it's a very complex story, which really I, I, I don't think I want to talk about, because as I said in Newsweek, bygones are bygones. We were shocked, obviously. Um, Dick brought me on to the picture, um, and I couldn't believe it. And uh, I never even heard from the producers. I heard from a lawyer or something. He said, your services will no longer be needed. He was at great loggerheads with the producers. They didn't like each other. There, there are different sides to every story, and, and now uh, the man is here. I asked if I could come, although, you know, I produced this picture as well. You know, I don't think they wanted me around anyway because I was such a tyrant. There were a lot of things. I mean, movies are business also. You just lay there and scream and hit the wall and punch your dog and... Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I was all packed and ready to go back to London and finish too because we had done so much of it. And Tom Anquist, we were gonna, we were gonna rewrite it. Obviously, we had a whole new ideas on it. I, I read the script, obviously, because they, they followed the original script, but I, I didn't read the cut. And my theory has always been that if Superman, the original movie, had been a flop, they would have made Dick finish Superman 2 as punishment. It's nice. We haven't had too many good love stories in the movies lately. However, this is one. In fact, I thought the love story was better than the film's action scenes, which for me went on a little too long and weren't, I thought, all that special. No, it's the love story and Christopher Reeve's performance as Superman and as Clark Kent that makes Superman 2 such a success. It's tough being a convincing lover wearing a red cape and blue tights, <laughs> but Christopher Reeve does it very well. I can't wait for Superman 3, and I think i got to wait two years. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a close call whether you like the love story or the special effects more. I think most people who are going to see this movie, and millions of people are, mm -hmm. are interested in the special effects, and especially in the way that this movie combines Superman, who was really the first pop art hero, with all these other pop artifacts like the Empire State Building, the Eiffel Tower, mm -hmm. Times Square, the Coca-Cola sign, and so forth. But on the other hand, I love the love story, and I was just thinking, watching that scene, the casting director of this film should get a lot of the credit because this kind of material could easily slide right yeah. off into the totally ridiculous. And Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman and the rest are good enough actors to really be able to carry it off. And I think Reeve really has to get the credit mm -hmm. here. If you didn't buy that this Superman character was real in some way, that his emotions were real at least, 
the whole thing would fall off. Mm -hmm. It would be either just a kiddie show or it would be a put down of the material. Mm -hmm. But I think that Reeve in his portrayal does something very special, which is he has fun with it, he enjoys it, and we enjoy that too, but he mm -hmm. buys it. He believes it, we go with it. I think it's a nice job of acting, really. And I think this is the kind of picture where the acting just gets overlooked, so that's why I want to signal it out. You know, I was trying to think back uh, two, three, four years ago to when I first heard they were going to make a Superman movie, mm -hmm. and I thought it can't be done, you know. And the original ad, remember, you'll believe a man can fly. I believed a man could fly, but I didn't believe he could make any money at the box office. So <laughs> now that the series is a success, and there is going to be a Superman 3, it's interesting to think how easily this whole thing could have gone wrong. And finally, two very enthusiastic yes votes for Superman 2. Gene and I both thought it was even better than the original. Superman foils the plot of terrorists by hurtling their nuclear device into outer space. But the bombs shockwaves free the Kryptonian villain General Zod, played by Terence Stamp, and his henchman Ursa, played by Sarah Douglas, and Non, played by Jack O. Hol Jack O'Halloran, yeah. Halloran. Halloran. Halloran, yeah, from their imprisonment. So, traveling to Earth, they threaten the planet with destruction at the same time that Superman decides to renounce its superpowers in order to live a normal life as Clark Kent with his new love, Lois Lane. So, breaking box office records over its opening weekend, the movie grossed $190 million worldwide, which was 110 million down on the previous movie. It was the third highest grossing movie of 1981, the highest that year being the Indiana Jones movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. So uh, critically it has an 85% Rotten Tomatoes score and on IMDb it's, it's got an 83 out of 100 critic meta score. So critically um, very similar scores to the original. Uh, audience scores, it has 76% on Rotten, Toma uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So that's only, what, 10% down on the original. And on IMDb, it has a 6.8 rating, which is down from S Superman's su uh, 7.4. And in summary, if the humour occasionally stumbles into slapstick territory and the special effects are dated, but Superman 2 meets, if not exceeds, the standards set by its predecessor. So Ben, I'm going to start with you this time. What do you think of Superman 2? Um, it's pretty good. It's on the same level as the first one. Uh, not sure what else to say about it. It's just pretty good and yeah. You got any favourite moments from it? Uh, when they go into the White House. Oh, the, yeah, the, the three bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, what about you, Paul? Do oh, um, you remember seeing this at the cinema back in the day? 1981? No, I don't remember. I would have been four. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't remember. No, I don't remember going to see it. Uh, I always remember we used to watch this. That's why, it, to me, it's, it's my favourite out of the franchise because used to watch it all the time, I actually read it on video, I think we taped it off TV. Because yep. I always remember the bits when the adverts came on. Mm -hmm. Like you could remember uh, on the video when you'd record it off the TV. And uh, I just think it's a brilliant film, it's got everything in it. And it's also got Terence Stamp is brilliant as well, you know, as General Zod. I mean, he's, he's brilliant. He maybe steals the show actually in the film. 
he's so over the top. But you kind of forget they were in the first one, don't That's you? That's right. And I don't know if Queen stole that idea for Queen's Greatest Hits album cover, but you know when they're all like, you see them all and they're all like jailed mm-hmm. for the breakout. And it's like the way it's, it's almost like 3D, almost like, and it's like the original Queen's Greatest Hits album cover was a bit like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really great film. It's just really quite emotional as well. Like he, you know, like he wants to change his life. Uh, wants to. It's almost like you know, you know, it's great saving everybody, but there's also part of him where he needs he needs to have a life as well. Not always helping other people. He needs to have a like a, a part of a normal life as well. So he tries that. Sadly, it doesn't work out. I kind of look at it differently now, having seen directors. Mm-hmm. Richard Donner cut. Well, here's here's a fact for you, which I found out. Uh, in the US, uh, these three movies were released over three consecutive Fridays in 1981 in June. Raiders of the Lost Ark, the following Friday, Superman 2, the following Friday, James Bond movie for your eyes only. That's three good weeks, isn't it? That is three good weeks. Um, so yeah, I I do remember seeing this at the cinema uh, because I would have been what seven, and I remember it vividly because we had just moved house, and I think we had been dispatched to stay at our auntie and uncle's <laughs> for a couple of days while the house was getting organised, and our cousin had taken us to the cinema to see it. I do remember that, but yeah, it's funny what you're saying about recording movies off the TV, and you still to this day remember where the ad breaks were. Uh, I'm the same with uh, the Wrath of Khan, Star Trek Two, the the bit after they have their first encounter with Khan. As the the bit that cut away to the advert was when Scotty brings up his nephew to the bridge who's died, or no, who's been injured and does die. Yeah, yeah, I still remember that's what one of the cuts was. So yeah, I mean, I, I love this movie. It's a sentimental favourite. It's great. I think uh, Zod or Sun are great villains, as you say. Ernst Stamps, you know, hamming it up, but he is a very sinister villain from Luke and the way he plays it. Um, I think there's a lot of great action set pieces in it. Uh, uh, you forget uh, how good the the battle with the army is in the Texas town. Yeah, That's, uh, I think it's Texas anyway. Uh, the Metropolis. Fight. Texas town that's in England. Yeah. The Metropolis fight uh, between Superman and the three villains is 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 great. Uh, yeah, and also you've got the stuff with the astronauts on the moon as well. So, yeah, uh, great performances across the the board. It was a shame John Williams wasn't back to score it again. So um, I know. Was it John F- somebody Thorne? Ken Thorne? Ken Thorne, yeah. Uh, who yeah. was using all, uh, kind of using all the John Williams themes, but I don't think they were, he was using as full an orchestra, so it's not, it's not giving you the same, uh, if you like, quality, fidelity. Um, and the, the scene that kind of stuck with me re-watching it recently was actually the diner scene. Where Superman's giving up his powers, he goes there, and you get the trucker guy beats him up, and that's one of my favourite yeah, scenes. Yeah, it's a brilliant scene. Uh, mm. Really well mm. acted, um, uh, written, and everything. So 
and then obviously the, the part where he goes back to the Fortress of Solitude. So that part's excellent. And of course you get the payoff at the end where he goes back and <laughs> humiliates the guy, the trucker guy. Excuse me, sir, I think you're sitting on my seat. Yeah, so good. <laughs> um, so, one of the things that we should mention, for those that don't know, is that um, so the, the they were filming Superman 1 and 2 back-to-back in the, in the 70s, and just because they had to get the first movie out, uh, by uh, its release date, the, they actually stopped filming. I think they maybe had what seventy percent done, something like that. So like they that, yeah. stopped filming, and they were going to pick up uh, the the final part of the principal photography after the release of Superman the movie. But in the interim period, to cut a very long story short, uh, director Richard Donner was fired, and they brought in Richard Lester to finish off the movie. Now. In order for Richard Lester to get the director's credit on the film, I think he had to have. Now, did he have to have uh, filmed? Was it half, more than half, or two thirds, or something like that? But, so, but yeah, a, a yeah. lot of stuff was refilmed. Uh, a lot of new scenes were put in. For example, the whole Paris scene with the terrorists was yeah, not part of the was not part of the original script and and was therefore never filmed by Richard Donner and you've got things in uh, like the Fortress of Solitude and stuff a lot of that was, almost all of that was redone and also also body doubles yeah, that's it for, for Gene Hackman a few body doubles so whoever you believe and, and you can, you can, yeah, either mm. he, didn't, he didn't come back because they fired Richard Donner or he had other film commitments and couldn't come back, depending on who you who you believe. One of the bits in there that's really obvious is things like putting his hand up like that, and you can totally hear it. Somebody trying to pretend that they're him, yeah. like the voice even. Uh, but yeah, it's it's probably out of the two, the Richard Lester one's probably more sort of camp mm-hmm. and comedy. Whereas the Richard Donner one's more, there's less of that sort of, sort of campness to it. Verisimilitude. But <laughs> back to that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, which do you prefer? If you, if you were going to go on a desert island, which one would you take with you if you only had... You could take the, the, the Richard Lester one. Yeah, me too. The original. I, I, I know it's maybe like slapstick and stuff. But I don't know, I just think it's... It was of its time, and I think that's that's what made it good. You know, I think it had a good balance. Yeah. So I wouldn't change it. Yeah. And that's the one that was finished properly. Mm. Like the score was done to match it. Um, obviously, the script was complete and, and everything, so it's a more complete experience, although it is disappointing when you see the Richard Donner cut all the good stuff that never made it in. There's just loads of brilliant stuff. And actually for example something like the White House fight is better than the Richard Donner one. It's a a rougher actually it's longer and it's a bit more brutal like Zod shooting people and laughing. It's like a machine machine gun or something. Yeah so there's a lot of stuff in the Richard Donner one which is superior but of course he never got to finish 
filming all of his stuff and obviously because they were they were doing this many years later um uh, obviously they're having to use like, computer effects and stuff and obviously yeah. cheap effects and so it's, mm. it's, it's I suppose it's going to be it's the, the most complete version you're going to get but um, yeah apparently so I was just going to say it came about because obviously with the internet started, mm-hmm. I think it was 2006 the Richard Donner one because there's a big campaign please because people had heard so much about it, can you please release what you have of the mm-hmm. Richard Donner version? Because there was such a demand for it, so it was good to see it getting released. And when you seen it, you realised how much stuff Donner had actually filmed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, it, it's the same with me. That's when I uh, only when I had the internet. That's when I found out that all about this history about Donner being fired and all of that. I didn't know any of that. And you know, in a lot of ways, I wish I still didn't. Yeah. Uh, because in, 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 mm-hmm. in some way, it spoiled it a bit for me, um, knowing Donner got fired, that there's there was obviously different cuts and refilming. Um, and now I can't help but watch either version, looking for the joins. Uh, it's like, yeah. and one of the easiest ways to ways to spot what was the Donner filament and what's Richard Lester is Margot Kidder. Yeah, because she's not much in the Oh no, not even oh, she... not even that. Yeah. Uh, she just looks she looks better in the the Richard Donner film stuff from seventy seven, seventy eight. Yeah. She just looks different uh, in the, the Lester stuff. So it's quite easy to spot. It just looks that wee bit younger, and the the Donner. And you can notice, you can notice with uh, obviously a couple of scenes they put in were for uh, the audition scenes. Yes. So you can see, obviously, Christopher Reeve's not bulked no. up at that point as well. Okay, uh, so we need to decide: is Superman two, super or newt? Ben. Super. Super Paul. Super. Oh yes, for me it is super, so it remains. When it's time for adventure, it's time for Superman. Alexander Salkine presents Christopher Reeve and Richard Pryor in Superman 3. This time, Richard Pryor has come to Metropolis. Oh, I'm sorry. And he's got something to sell. (laughs) He's the best con man and the world's greatest computer genius. Let me tell you something. I can't ski! But then he falls (laughs) for a scheme to turn the ultimate computer into the ultimate weapon. What would it do for me? It would do anything you tell me to tell it to do. A machine so powerful. Baby, it's daddy! It can control the earth. Now. Now, getting down to business. Change the weather. Now, Samson, you're a genius. And reprogram Superman. 
Thought you'd never get here. Well, I hope you don't expect me to save you, because I don't do that anymore. <laughs> didn't die. I ask you to kill Superman, and you're telling me you couldn't even do that one simple thing. Ah. All right, Webster, the game's over. But only the man who pulled the switch on Superman. Oh, uh, see, I'm not with them, Superman. You could have fooled me, mister. Can pull the plug on Super Machine. You're going to go down in history as the man who killed Superman. Um, no. Thank you, brother. Superman 3. Uh, watch the trees. Whoa! This time is going to be the best time of all. enjoyed the heck out of Superman 3. I really did. Good. I wonder, Chris, uh, do you, if you had to pick one of the three as your favorite, which one would it be? I have to pick. Uh, I really do. Um, it's a loaded question, I think, because um, there's no right answer. You know, I, I what, I, I'm a softie. I, I like romance, and I think that um, Superman 1, for me, contains the most satisfying um, elements of it. I, I'll never, I don't think we'll ever beat the flight around Metropolis with Superman and Lois. I think that was the tops of the whole thing. Um, and Superman 3, much more of a comic book. Some people really like it better that way. You know, it's just slick, fast-paced, funny, a lot of laughs, moves along, and you come out and you can't believe you've just been through all that in two hours. And you can come out blinking, trying to adjust to the daylight and, you know, remembering where you are. I, um, I miss the, the more romantic, even sentimental part of the character. But that's just my personal taste. It's fun. A lot of Superman 3 is fun, but this movie is more simple-minded than the other two Superman films. It all but ignores Superman's dual identity as Daily Planet reporter Clark Kent, and that was always mm -hmm. fun in the first two films, that contrast in these sure. two different kinds of characters. And this movie gives Superman a little love interest with Annette O'Toole, but oddly enough, their love affair is pretty standard. It could happen between any two people. It doesn't depend upon the fact that Clark Kent is Superman. Superman 3 doesn't have the human touch of the first two movies. Doesn't have the interest in what a person would be like if he were invincible or nearly invincible. And Superman 3, well, it's well made, it's entertaining, but it's got too many stunts and it's just not quite special. Uh, I like it even less than you did. It <laughs> does something I didn't think a Superman movie could ever do for me, and that is bore me. This movie is missing a great love affair. That's what the first two pictures had. Interesting love affairs, Clark and Lois, Superman and Lois, marvelous stuff. Here, just that little love story with Lana Lang and the hometown girl and Clark, and that should have been the back half of the movie. Instead, as you say, more stunts. Richard Pryor wasted here. He's a goody-goody guy, not real evil. I was disappointed. I think that Richard Pryor is always best in the movies when he's anarchic, when he's an enemy of the sure. establishment, when he's sure. an outsider stirring things up. And here, sure. he's a nice little guy. You pat him on the head, he's a schmo, he's Superman's power. Don't drop me, Superman. He's too nice in this movie. He ought to get in there and really mess things Ever up. Ever since his accident, he's been playing nicer and nicer guys. I want him to be real, real evil. <laughs>
So let's move on to 1983's Superman 3. So the story for that one is computer programmer Gus Gorman, played by comedian Richard Pryor, is hired by financial tycoon Ross Webster, played by Robert Vaughn, to seize control of a weather satellite and annihilate Columbia's coffee crop. When Superman manages to thwart the plan, Webster commands Gorman to use the satellite to locate kryptonite, the Man of Steel's mortal weakness. But a missing unknown element in the kryptonite, replaced by Gorman with tar, causes an unintended side effect when presented to Superman. So the gross for this one was 80.2 million uh, US dollars. It was only the 12th highest earning movie of 1983 in North America, with Return of the Jedi, the box office champ that year. The film was nominated for two Razzie Awards, including Worst Supporting Actor for Richard Pryor and Worst Musical Score for Giorgio uh, Moroder. Now, critically, unsurprisingly, things plummet. So the Rotten Tomatoes critic score for this is 29%. The IMD critic score is 44 out of 100 so that's almost, I think, half on the previous movie. The audience ratings aren't good either, so only 23% on Rotten Tomatoes and 5.0 on IMDb. In summary, when not overusing sight gags, slapstick and Richard Pryor, Superman 3 resorts to plot points rehashed from the previous Superman flicks. Paul, I'm going to come to you first. Superman 3. Um, maybe remind, remind me what... When, when was the first time you seen this somewhere? I know I didn't see it in the cinema. I think I, think I saw it in video. But I do remember it when it came out. I do remember it being advertised. For some reason, I think of us at Auntie Maureen's, actually. I don't know. I, I remember seeing it. Whatever the kids' programme was at the time, I remember like Christopher Reeve being interviewed. Maybe it was uh, Saturday Swap Shop or something. But I remember he was being interviewed, and I remember like there was clips of it on the TV uh, when it was when coming in the cinema. Uh, but I, I like I like the film. Uh, I know it gets criticised a bit. I guess if you were there at the time and stuff, and you watched it, and, and it was it is more slapstick, and it, it, it's true. Somebody said actually, it's not a Superman film; it's a Richard Pryor film. And, because it is, he's the main character in it, really. Whereas I suppose Superman should be the main character. But uh, no, I, I, I like it. It's uh, the bit for me, like I say, I, I like it, the bad Superman, that whole thing. I think it's really good, really interesting. And I really like, is it Lana Lee? Yes, is it Lana Lee? Lee? Yeah. She, she's, yeah, she's really good in it. And uh, when it goes back to. Small, small bill in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sorry, when it goes back to like uh, a reunion, uh, and Brad, that guy. Uh, but but I liked a bit. But I was th- thinking as well that like uh, Margot Kidder. I think she only had such a small part in it because she'd fallen out with him. That's right. The Salkind brothers. Mm-hmm. She'd fallen out with them. Although they deny it. They, they said that mm. um, she wasn't in it much because they wanted Clark to have a different kind of romantic interest in it. Again, yeah. it depends who you uh, speak to. 
she looks well in it for mm-hmm. what little she's in it. She actually looks. I think it's a good film, but you can see a massive difference between two. Although two was just done like a couple of years previous, it was filmed maybe about six years previous. Some of it, so you can see that they look different. There's a big difference in how they look. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Ben, what do you think of Superman Three? I forgot Superman was even in it for like half the movie. <laughs> That's true though. It's true. Uh, it, yeah, it doesn't really feel like a Superman movie, and the jokes are bad, and everything is not very good. And I like bad Superman. That's the only thing I liked about the movie. Everything else was just boring. Oof! Thumbs down from you. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, for me, this movie hasn't aged well at all. Um, but yeah, I think I first seen it when uh, it was uh, I seem to recall maybe a neighbour renting it and, and we watched it there. But um, but for me, this this just shows you how much I think um, creative consultant, aka writer Tom Mankiewicz um, and Richard Donner brought to the first two Superman movies, and I think they're greatly missed here. Um, I mean, the start of it. It's like a Mr. Bean sketch. Right? I mean, what's that all about? Uh, you know, all the different things going on and people falling over and... No. It's totally, it's totally not, should not be in a Superman movie. Although I do like the penguins catching fire. That is funny. Um, so yeah, the, the tone of the movie set from the, the outset, more jokey, more campy, almost everything in it is played for laughs and as you mentioned already a lot of the time it feels like a Richard Pryor comedy with the occasional appearance by by Superman in it. Um, oh, uh, a couple of interesting things actually. Um, Shane Rimmer, uh, actor, this is his third Superman movie by this point and he's played a different character in all three of them. He was in a couple of Bond films. He was the submarine, US submarine captain in Spy Who Love Me. me. But in this, he was one of the like the naval officers in the oh, first yeah. one. In the second one, he was the NASA controller. Mm-hmm. And in this one, he is, I think, part of the fire service, if I remember correctly. So that's quite funny. And another one for you is, you know, the couple that win the holiday from the Daily Planet? Oh, to Columbia. Yeah, it's, uh, the wife. Yeah. The wife, that's the same actor who plays the diner and the waitress in Superman 2. Yeah. yeah. If you think, you think she looks familiar, uh, but that's it. So she's playing a different part um, as well. Uh, but yeah, um, I think the we've talked about Margot Kidder's not in this as much, which is a bit of a shame. Um, a, a big issue I have with this film is um, it just doesn't feel like Metropolis. This movie, and, and a big part of that was because the location filming was done on this one in Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada, instead of New, New York. And that was due to Canada's tax breaks for film companies. So, yeah, a lot of films, a lot of companies did that, didn't they? they, they moved did, to so, but you can just tell it's not the same place. Um, mm. And I don't like that when it happens when, and the same thing happened with Batman and Batman Returns, 
it doesn't feel like you're in the same universe because everything just aesthetically looks different. Mm-hmm. It feels different. Uh, it doesn't feel part of what, what had come before. Um, the, but yeah, we've talked about it already. I think the scene between Clark and Evil Superman is the, the best in the movie and one of the best in any Superman movie. And I think uh, Christopher Reeves plays it so so well, especially the Evil Superman. He does. Really, mm-hmm. really good. And I think it just offers a, a tantalising glimpse of the movie that maybe should have been. How about a movie... Mm-hmm. Um, that focused in on what the world would have to do if Superman did go evil. Mm-hmm. This guy, this almost godlike mm-hmm. figure, who's now causing havoc. How does the world deal with that? Um, and so I think, yeah, that that, that 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 it's a shame. That's a real missed opportunity there. And, and the music's brilliant then as well. The music mm-hmm. that bit. Yep. Um, I think the bad guys in this are decent fun, you know, Robert Vaughn, Pamela Stevenson and mm-hmm. Annie Ross, um, but they are, in effect, just the Luther gang light, really, aren't they? Mm-hmm. The kind of same thing going on there, and yeah, I think overall, um, the highlight's still Christopher Reeves as Superman there, but yeah, I think this this, this movie's got a, a, a lot of a lot of issues. So let's go round everyone and decide if it is super or are we nuking it. Ben, I'm going to show. I, I don't think we'll we'll, we'll uh, it'll be any surprise. But Ben, which way are you going? Oh, definitely keeping it super. Just kidding, nuking it. You're nuking it, okay, <laughs> Paul. I'm I'm keeping it super. Mm-hmm. I have the deciding vote, and I'm afraid, Paul, it's being nuked. It is nuked from the franchise. Aww. It can no longer be kept. Uh, we'll maybe just take out the the good and bad Superman fight, or the Clark versus Evil Superman fight, and we'll uh, we'll just keep that apart. Do you know the? Just gonna say, do you know the woman in it? Uh, uh, what's his name? Is it James Wan? What's his name? On Matthew, do you know no, the guy Matthew that plays Vaughan. Matthew Robert Vaughn? Sorry, Matthew Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. You know the person that plays his sister. She's actually from Aberdeen. Oh, is she really? Annie Ross. Yeah, yeah. Is it Annie Ross? Yeah, she. I think she's quite good in the film. Actually, yeah, she is. She's quite scary at the end. Oh yeah. See the bit at the end when she turns out that's quite scary. I mean, the special effects there are quite good, I have to say. Well, you're raising actually a really good point because I think um, Mm -hmm. there's a couple of moments in this which are genuinely horror Mm -hmm. movie-ish and yeah, you're right when Mm -hmm. she's kind of turned into that kind of cyborg zombie but also the the part that always stuck with me was when Clark's getting um, in that uh, trash compactor and he's getting and there's a bit where he looks up and the camera just catches the, the glasses uh, the light on the glass and they crack. Yeah, and he's got his. Yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah. Good. That's horror movie. That's like Evil Dead. And you hear him, you hear him screaming, yeah. don't you? you hear him that's really good stuff. Yeah, really mm. good stuff. I'm still mm. nuking it though. Sorry. <laughs> sure, can't change it. Yeah. The greatest hope against the threat of nuclear war is Superman. I'm going to do what our governments have been unwilling or unable to do. Effective immediately. I'm going to rid our planet of all nuclear weapons. The greatest threat to Superman 
is Lex Luthor. Smarter than I thought. We can make the world safe for war profits. He's created the ultimate weapon to annihilate the Man of Steel. You'd risk worldwide nuclear war for your own personal financial gain. Nobody wants war. I just want to keep the threat alive. Dude of Steel. <laughs> Where are you gonna get it? You know you're a workaholic. Why don't you stop and smell the roses, huh? Superman 4, Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman, Jackie Cooper, John Cryer, with Mariel Hemingway and Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. Superman 4, his most important adventure, the quest for peace. This time, uh, you're the co-writer, and this time we have different producers. Golan and Globus, mm. instead of the Saul kinds. Now, how did how did that come about? Where we have the different producers from the other three. Well, uh, the blunt answer to that is that after Santa Claus, which was made by the Saul kinds, they did Supergirl and Santa Claus back to back, both of which didn't make it. So they lost their credibility with their pre-buyers in Thailand and overseas, where they where they do the way you bank a film is you pre-sell overseas and get guarantees, and then you can then you raise money to go and shoot. Um, and so their credibility was wearing a little thin. They realized they had to sell. They, so uh, they struck a deal with Canon. It was one of these napkin deals done at the Cannes Film Festival. And I think Canon bought the rights for like five million bucks in an afternoon. You know, just signed here. But they didn't have an actor. But this was no problem for Canon because, you know, he doesn't want to play Superman, get another one. And uh, that's always been their attitude. That's why they're called the Go-Go's, because <laughs> they have these really <laughs> radical ideas, like, you know, go, go, who cares? And uh, so then they, they got in business with Warners, and then they, they you know, called me up and said, so, you know, now play Superman. And I said, not so fast, guys. We don't have an idea yet. And uh, so they kept putting pressure on to sign. I wouldn't sign until finally, in the middle of 1985, a combination of events gave me an idea for Superman 4, and then we were in business. Now, had the Salkinds come to you and said, Superman 4, would you have gone along with that? I said, well, let's talk, guys, because 3 didn't work. Let's figure out how to fix it. That would have been my answer. So you weren't too happy with Superman 3? No. I mean, but still, I mean, it grossed $40 million. No, it grossed, it netted $40 million domestically alone. So, I mean, we should all have more flops like that. <laughs> um, but but by, by Superman standards, it wasn't what I consider a worthwhile film. Let's move on to the final Christopher Reeve Superman movie, Superman 4 from 1987. So the story is, seeing the United States and the Soviet Union engage in a nuclear arms race that could lead to Earth destruction, Superman decides that he must take action. He collects all the nuclear warheads from the world and throws them into space. Meanwhile, Superman's nemesis, Lex Luthor, has broken out of prison with a new scheme. He clones Superman with radioactive material to create Nuclear Man, played by Mark Pillow, a being just as powerful as the Man of Steel. So this movie grossed only 36.7 million US dollars, and it was the 69th highest grossing movie in North America in 1987. The winner that year being the Leonard Nimoy directed Three Men and a Baby. I thought you were going to say Star Trek 4. <laughs> uh, the film was voted number 40 on a list of the 50 worst movies ever by readers of Empire magazine. It was also nominated for two Golden Raspberry Awards 
Worst Supporting Actress for Marianne, Marianne <laughs> Worst Supporting Actress for Marielle Hemingway and Worst Visual Effects <laughs> which it lost um it lost out to Jaws the Revenge. There's another rubbish part four. And it's an, an yeah, interesting yeah. parallel between the, the two series actually, isn't it? There is, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, four four movies, first two everyone kinda likes, three everybody's split on it, but it's de- a definite downgrade in quality and then a fourth that everyone agrees is absolutely naff. <laughs> and also that the first two for the both franchises, the first two films are connected. Yeah. The others are just like separate stories almost. That's interesting. So anyway, critically, mm. uh, this has a 10% Rotten Tomatoes score and 24 out of 100 on IMDb. Audience score is 16% on Rotten Tomatoes and three it's generous. Points, I know. I'm surprised it even got 6% <laughs> to be fair. And 3.7 mm-hmm. on IMDb audience rating. And in summary, the Superman series bottoms out here. The action is boring, the special effects look cheaper, and none of the actors appear interested in where the plot is going. Ben, 12-year-old Ben, tell us what you thought of Superman 4. It was awful. Didn't even have a clue what was going on. Because this boy that was talking about nuclear bombs, and the next thing there's like a nuclear man thing. Then they fought on the moon. And there is like other people, like the third and the fourth one, like see all the same thing. And Lex Luthor was in it. I think he, they're trying to make him funny, and he really wasn't at all. Hmm. Okay. Any scene in it you did like? No. Okay. <laughs> Paul, what about you? <laughs> Not too dissimilar to what young Ben said. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I remember not seeing it. I think we hired it on video. Yeah. It was that disinterested in watching it. It was also there wasn't a real. You felt with the other ones, it was a big kind of publicity thing around it coming out. The new Superman. Whereas this one felt like probably it really reflected the film really because it was like there was not big like fanfare for it coming out. And uh, it's just terrible because I mean the budget's much less. I guess that's ten years since the first Superman, and actually that looks there's better uh, special effects in a film that's ten years older. And uh, there's bits in it that just look awful, you know. When it's supposed to be there on in the moon, and you can see there's like a big black curtain, <laughs> and uh, there's supposed to be in America, and you can see it's Milton Keynes. Mm. Oh, you know, at the, is it like this conference or something for nuclear disarmament or something? But it's, uh, yeah, it's just terrible. I mean, I feel sorry for Christopher Reeve because I know he, did he not direct it or something? No, he came up with the story. Yeah, I kind of feel sorry for him because I think he had the best of intentions. Because I think that's the reason he got Gene Hackman back because... Gene Hackman, well, we don't 100% know, but that he apparently, our theory is that he wasn't happy with Richard Donner getting sacked. So he didn't take part in obviously part three, part four. The reason he came back was for Christopher Reeve to help Christopher Reeve out. And also the Salkins, who were the producers, had sold the mm-hmm. Superman rights by then, so it was canon 
pictures, so they weren't involved in it as well, which probably helped. Yeah, so it just... A nuclear man was terrible. It's, uh, an interesting fact was that the guy who played Nuclear Man, so I think it was one of his first, probably his first and his last film. Yeah, he's not but, done many. Yeah, he went to, when he went to see it, I don't know if it was the premiere or something, he went to see it and he didn't realise that his voice had been dubbed by Gene Hackman, but he didn't know that until he went to the cinema. But he was happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he was, yeah, it's just... There's also another character, I don't know if people have seen the, the deleted scenes, because it's quite a short film. It's probably a good 90 thing. minutes, yeah. But one of the deleted scenes, yeah, one of the deleted scenes, it's this other character, and all that looks. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, it's like a kid's programme on a Saturday morning, a bit worse, <laughs> like the budget. Was it not a Superman, uh, a nuclear man experiment gone wrong? He was a bit of a simpleton roaming around the streets. And it was that bad to cut it, even even though that made the movie only ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah, the one the one good thing I would say about the film when you watch it back, it kind of where the world was at that point, nineteen eighty seven, obviously AIDS and HIV, and obviously there's a bit where Christopher, well, Christopher Clark Kent is ill, and you see him quite thin and stuff, and I think that was quite a brave thing to do at the time, actually, because it was in with how the, what the world was at that point. Mm. Everybody was so fearful of it and stuff like that, and I think that sort of so that that was a, a brave part. That that's maybe the only kind of good thing about the film. Yeah, there's not uh, when he goes back to small. There's there's, mm. there's not much good about it. Yeah, it's a bad movie. It looks cheap. Uh, I think a lot of the funding fell. I think Canon Films uh, were suffering yeah. financial issues, so a lot of the budget fell away, um, which accounts for why it's so shoddy. Uh, I have to say, actually, rewatching it recently, I fell asleep. It was I was that bored. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a noble attempt. I think obviously Christopher Reeves came up with the idea, but it's a noble attempt at linking Superman to current real world events. Of course, which nuclear disarmament was a, a major talking point at that point. But the the limited budget just scuppers the endeavor. I mean, Christopher Reeves is as good as he always is. Uh, as you say that that bit where he's kind of ill, haggard and skinny is, is really well done actually um, that effect um, is quite affecting, you do, do remember that but yeah, it's it's like how the mighty have fallen, we've gone from location shooting in New York to Calgary now to Milton Keynes <laughs> couldn't make it up I think and it's so obvious oh, as well, like you can see the what could we do to think we're not, we'll put a yellow school bus, we'll put this, and you can just see... It's the just same bus that goes round and round. The... You'll see the same vehicles going round and round. Yeah. Um, I think mm-hmm. Nuclear Man's not a good villain. I mean, he just comes across as a kind of himbo, doesn't he? <laughs> the mm-hmm. hair and everything. And, yeah, it's entertaining that you've got wobbly sets. It's like when they're fighting at the foot of the statue. You actually see the walls of the statue shaking. Which is quite amusing. And and that's it, the effects are poorer in this movie than the original movie, despite t- it being ten, nearly 10 years further forward where effects are improving. Um, I mean, I think Gene Hackman comes across as someone who's taken it for the paycheck. 
probably thinking, what have I signed up for here? Um, uh, in fact, do you know the, the the one scene in it that I think is really enjoyable is when Clark and Su- Superman are on the double date and Superman oh, needs to yeah. go away be Clark, then needs to run away and go back with mm-hmm. the phone. That's good. That's kind of, you know... It's good acting yeah. as well, because it's, you know, uh, Christopher Reeve does that well, That's you know, because you totally believe they're two different people. That's a good fun <laughs> sequence. That's the best mm-hmm. thing in it for me. Um, and the other mm-hmm. thing, obviously, Marco Kidder is in this, not for much, but how much older does she look compared to mm. the uh, Superman 3? Yeah, I know. I know, so it comes back to obviously. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if that was when her health problems maybe. You would expect. Oh started yeah. To get you would worse. expect so. Yeah. Right, guys. So mm. we are going to rate this one. Ben, are you? Is it super or are you nuking it? Nuking it. Paul. Nuking it. I am nuking it. We lose. We lose Superman for the quest for peace. That's. The four Christopher Reese Superman movies, Paul, but of course, and Ben's left us now. And but they did make another movie, Superman Returns, which had Brandon uh, Routh playing Superman, and it was directed by Brian Singer. And this was a continuation of those Christopher Reeve movies, uh, and they were choosing to ignore Superman's three and four. So mm-hmm. this this was in effect a, this was in effect a belated sequel to Superman two, but with uh, an entirely different cast. Uh, what do you think of the movie? I quite liked it at the time, but it's not aged well. It's pretty poor, actually. In, in some ways, I almost try not to include it as part of the the Superman story. It's just, even like the special effects are really ropey and it's obvious, it's so obvious that they use like so much CGI and it just looks so fake. And uh, Kevin Spacey obviously plays Lex Luthor. He's he's no Gene Hackman. And there's also the part we talked earlier about because there's obviously things that have happened since that maybe tarnishes watching the film as well because of things. But even, to be honest, even besides that, it's, it's just a rubbish film. It's just, I don't, I don't even think Brandon Routh is bad. I don't even, I don't even think he's bad at Superman. I think he's okay. But it's just, it's too long as well, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely yeah, too long. Just, Probably had a big budget as well, but just... Oh, it was. Yeah, Mm. I mean, I I remember uh, seeing this at the cinema and I was really excited because the trailer for this was Mm. was fantastic. Mm. Uh, And, of course, the uh, I think you're you're thinking, oh, first Superman movie in uh, nearly 20 years. Uh, It Mm. was a continuation of the Donner movies. And you're thinking this this is really quite exciting. Then you get to the cinema and, of course, they open with... uh, the Superman 1 and 2 style um, credits as well, you know, floating credits in space. 
and then I seen it, and I even rewatching it recently. I, I think it's all right. It's it's very much the black sheep of the Superman movies, isn't it? Um, it's just a. I think you know from a maybe a great idea that they've put together something that's incredibly flawed, um, and the way I kind of think of it now is it feels like someone playing an average cover version of a classic original. That's that's how I view it. And um, you're just always thinking, yeah, original's better, isn't it? <laughs> um, which is a shame because I know it was a labour of love for the filmmakers. Um, and as you say, Brandon Routh is, is great casting as Superman. He, he obviously is aping... Chris Reeves' inter- interpretation of it, and he does it really well. Um, uh, but one of the the fatal mistakes this movie makes is the casting of Kate Bosworth as Lois Lane. Yeah. Massive mistake. Uh, I never, even on my first viewing of this, I never ever bought her as Lois Lane. And I suppose the greater shame is that you actually had somebody in the movie who would have made a fantastic Lois Lane, Parker Posey, mm-hmm. who who played kind of Lexi's uh, lackey, yeah, and she, she would have been she would have been a great Lois Lane. Um, so so yeah, that's that that was a missed opportunity there. And I think the film feels very studio bound as well. Oh, that, that's the big thing for me. It feels small. Yeah, mm. it, just, it feels small, very studio-bound. So even the things like when, for example, Lex and his uh, goons are out at sea and they're creating the oh, kryptonite island, I mean, it's just so obviously they're in a studio. Uh, Do you not think it was that period, sort of the, the early to mid-2000s, when it films a lot of films then actually weren't even being shot on location? They were all done in the studio and it like you know 300 and you had uh even the star wars prequels as well you know and, it, and i think that f- this film really shows that yeah i mean it's yeah i mean it's it's obviously if you do that it's cheaper and you've got more control over your surroundings but i think filmmakers have learned from that since we, we know we know when something's not real <laughs> most of the time um, you want it to be real. You want it to be tangible. But yeah, it does feel very studio bound. This even the external scenes, um, it's all very soundstage uh, set. And the other crime of this movie is it just feels very anemic. Is that maybe the word I should use? I think the first couple of Superman movies there was a sense of wonder. I think. Uh, it's like, whoa, what it would be like if this person came along into the real world and flying and doing all these amazing things. You just don't really get a sense of that with, with this. Um, uh, and I say, keep... TV movie. Yes. Mm, <laughs> that's... Mm-hmm. Uh, but like what you're saying, it's like somebody doing like a... Not a spoof, but almost like a... I don't know, like a pure imitation almost. Yeah. And another thing they choose to do with the plot is they make Superman feel like a stalker. 
you know what I mean? It's like stalking Lois Lane, like going round their house and listening in on conversations and oh no, bad move. Uh, for me, I think what they would have been better doing is they they could have used the same actors but just done a reboot. Mm-hmm. You know, start again. Uh, you don't even need you, you. You could just pretty much do the same movie, but um, you're not constantly harking back to things from the previous, the first two movies, because then I think you'd be more accepted. It's like uh, Man of Steel. You totally accept the characters and the actors playing them in that because you know it's an, a new iteration of it, so you don't have a problem with it. Whereas this, I'm thinking, right, Frank Langella as Perry. Um, you know, the editor of the Daily Planet's like, well, but but he's not, and you know, Kate Bosworth is Lois Lane, but she's not, and uh, and Kevin Spacey, Jimmy. yeah, I yeah, know, and Jimmy also, and, and Kevin Spacey's Lex mm-hmm. Luthor, it's like, yeah, but he's not. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, the action sequence with the plane in the space shuttle was good. Uh, uh, Richard Branson, one of mm-hmm. the astronauts on the space shuttle. Um, and I think the fight with, and I'm not prudish, but I always thought the fight on the kind of kryptonite island with Luther Goons beating up Superman was, was too, was unnecessarily violent for me. Um, so I don't agree with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a valiant attempt to try to do a, a proper Superman free, but it does come up short for uh, a multitude of reasons. It's too clean mm-hmm. to try and make, you know, it was like, let's try and do all this in the studio and and everything will look great and but it looks too false. It doesn't look real. It's not authentic. Yep, I would agree with that. And I think that's a cross. So let's make a call on it. Are we, uh, are we saying it's super or are we nuking it? Okay, this way I'd rather watch Superman 4. So Did you? Can... <laughs> I don't know because if it's Christopher Reeve. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh no! I mean, I think it's uh, Superman Returns is a superior movie to Superman Three and Four, personally. Uh, yeah. So you're nuking it, are you? Yeah. Okay. Superman. What about you? So, oh um, yeah, I'd be. Yeah, I'd, I'd nuke it. I mean, I, I think it's okay, but I'd nuke it. Yeah, it's not worthy of the Superman name. So in summary then, we um, have decided that on balance and by the power of voting that the only movies that we get to keep from that era are Superman 1 and 2. Well done. Well done to them. So Richard Donner was People right. would agree with that. <laughs> yep, I think so. I think so. So how would you rate all of this? If we include Superman Returns, how would you rate the, the five... Paul. Okay, so I'll start with at the top. So I'd have Superman 2, the first one, and then Superman, the motion picture, the second one, Superman 3 for the third one, almost in chronological order. No, that's not quite right, actually, two and one. Uh, but I'd have the third would be in third, the fourth would be fourth, and the, the previous one would be returned. Hmm. So um, they'd all be in order apart from one and two. That's the only difference. Yeah, for me, I think I would go with 
Um, starting at the bottom, and I'll work my way up. So I would have Superman 4, Superman 3. Third place would be Superman Returns. Second. See, I've, uh, in a lot of ways now, I, I kind of have Superman 1 and 2 as one movie, one giant movie. Um, see, I, would, I would al- always would have said Superman 2 is my favourite, but I don't know if the originals, maybe. Ah, I'll go Superman in second place. Superman 2, the winner. So, great. We've managed to escape the Phantom Zone. Before we go, though, um, want to keep up to date with what we are up to, you can join our Facebook group. Um, Want to be sure to get future episodes and remember to subscribe to the podcast. So, well, he's gone now, but thanks to Ben for joining us. And look out for our next episode, which is going to be covering the Robocop trilogy. So, Paul, are you looking forward to that? Yes. Uh, I I think... Yeah. yeah. It it will be that. Yes, a classic original and two questionable sequels. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, we'll see see how that goes. So, yeah, thank you for listening and we will see you next time for Robocop. Until then, keep trimming.